0: Hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of Call Me By Your Game. Before we get started, uh, we're going to go over our action items for the week... And uh, there are a lot of them. So the first thing that I would encourage you to do uh, is to sign up for the Supporting Black Lives email list. Uh, this is especially helpful for those of us who maybe aren't sure how to jump in and help during this time. Um, but it's a great way to start because it is a list of petitions, places to donate, and updates on action items that have been taken in the past and focused on. So this is made by Paul V. Ganalan, um, who's a wonderful person, and it's a wonderful list, a great place to start. That is in the show notes as is all of the other links that we'll talk about. Um, the second action item is I'm calling listeners to demand justice for Jacob Blake. Uh, if you didn't know, Jacob Blake is a man in Wisconsin who on August 23rd was shot in the back seven times by police officers when trying to break up a fight in a vehicle. Um, so they shot him seven times in the back. Uh, there's plenty of footage of it. it. Please don't share that, but it's awful. And it's another you know example of police not fearing for uh, shooting black people. Uh, Thankfully, he survived, but he will be paralyzed from the waist down. So um, there's a link to a very helpful Instagram post with actions, petitions to sign, phone numbers to call and demand action, as well as a GoFundMe um, that is set up for his family. Uh, uh, You know, a GoFundMe to like help him and support him now that he's going to have a lot more complications in his life being paralyzed. Uh, The second one, a little um, side note to that is to support the Milwaukee Freedom Fund. This is a place you can donate to support protesters on the ground. There've been a lot of protests since his uh, since he was shot and we need to support those protesters um, you know, whether it be uh, for bail funds like this or whatever. so uh, consider doing that as well. Um, I would also uh, lastly, Uh, call you uh, to demand justice for Anthony McLean. Anthony McLean is a man who on August 15th was uh, shot in the back and murdered by the Pasadena City Police Department. Um, There's also a link to an Instagram post with helpful actions to support him and his family and his community. Um, That includes uh, petitions, that includes phone numbers to call to demand action, to demand transparency from the Pasadena Police Department. It's a shame. Uh, It's a shame that we have uh, a week where two of our action items are specifically addressing a new uh, example of abuse of power by the police. And in one case, attempted murder, and in another, just straight up murder. So we need to support our black brothers and sisters, our black families in this country. Uh, And so I know we've been doing this um, intro for a while, but I would just... Really encourage anyone who's not on board or who is not yet putting their energy towards supporting those who need it to do so so again all those links are in the show notes and please uh, enjoy this wonderful episode uh, with Nick Costanza and we I didn't know it at the time but releasing this episode today is Nick's birthday so happy birthday uh, to Nick Costanza just a wonderful person really lucky to know him and such a funny guy so enjoy the episode and uh, support Black Lives. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to call me by your game if you've never listened to this show before this is a podcast where i your host connor mccabe talk to someone about a video game that is special to them and why we'll talk uh not only what made the game great for this person and what they loved about it in particular but also we'll get into the context around how and when they fell in love with this game for the first time it's a nostalgia sort of podcast um little housekeeping up top is that if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at Call Me by your game. Dot .com you can always email us at call me by your game at with questions, suggestions, things you like about the show, games that you connected with. We'd love to get an email from you. And then there's also three ways I'll tell you how to, you can support the show if you'd like to. The first of which is uh, you can go to the Apple podcast store and rate and review the show. That helps our visibility go up. That helps people, you know, the more good more reviews on a show that people see, the more five star ratings, the more they're likely to listen to it and we'd love to have people you know that we don't know listen to the show uh more people that is um if you another way you can help support the show is share the show with a friend if they love this video game that we're talking about today or video games in general share this with them we'd love for them to take a look and listen to the wonderful episode we're about to have and then lastly is you can check out our patreon um myself jeremy schmidt Uh, The producer of the show, we've started a little indie podcast network called Super NPC Radio. This show is a part of that. His show, Video Games, a comedy show, and then Inside Video Games and Gaming from July Diaz. Those are the three main shows on the network. But we have plenty of bonus content out there, including the new show Super NPCs, which is a part of the five dollar Patreon level. Um, but you can also, if you like, want to know if this sort of content is good for you or you even would be interested in it. We've got previews of our bonus content on our feeds, so take a look at those, um, and we'll go ahead and uh, and you know just let you have at it. Uh, But that's it for the housekeeping, and that's it for me talking and rambling by myself. I'll go ahead and do myself the best service and finally introduce our special guest for today. So please welcome to the microphone, comedian, video game junkie, sweet boy, and the cod king himself, Mr. Nick Costanza. Welcome to the show.
1: All right, let's do this. (laughs)
0: let me guess that's a call of duty thing people say
1: (laughs) sure is,
0: connor (laughs) cool i'm just going to assume every nick everything you do today because you're the cod king even if it's you know sincere and just from your life i'm going to assume it's a call
1: of duty thing that's a uh reference to the character ghost from uh, a video game i don't know if you've heard of it it's called call of duty modern warfare 2
0: yes i have heard of that and That's interesting you bring that game up today. Uh, Nick, that's the very game we're going
1: to discuss. Oh, that's so funny. I don't know why it was on my mind.
0: You know, sometimes there are happy surprises, happy accidents, if you will, and I'm just going to assume that was one and uh, pretend like we didn't plan anything for today <laughs> but that is the video game that my good friend Nick is and I are going to discuss a little later Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 um Nick I know you through the I mean you know now we, it feels like we know each other in a f- in a few ways I like to think we've met each other through the improv community um, but then we've also become better friends during quarantine because you've become a regular part of Video
1: Games, a comedy show. I have. Jeremy was very kind. I reached out to him near the beginning of quarantine, asked if I could be a part of it because you guys are all so great. And I've been welcomed into the VGACS community with loving open arms. Uh, I love it. And Nick, it's the only way you
0: deserve to be welcomed into the community Uh, with, you know, just those loving open arms. Uh, It's been so much fun to have you uh, be a part of that show regularly and have like an excuse to communicate with you extra, whether it's us being on a show or in our text thread, because there is a text thread for all the VGACS heads out there. Um, you know, a lot of people have slacks. We just have text threads. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome, dude. So I'm so glad this is something we've talked about you coming on the show for a long time. So sorry it took so long, but Hey brother, I'm glad you're here. Hey, uh, it's good to be here. Good. Um, Nick, I mean, I just said kind of how
1: I know you. Is there any other way people might know you or did we kind of cover that? Uh, I think it's mostly covered. If you spent time in the LA indie comedy scene, you may have seen me around a few times. But you know, this quarantine, this has been my opportunity to try to get out of my shell and make some content for the web, which I was severely lacking in before. So maybe if you haven't heard of me, this is your opportunity to now. <laughs> hey get in on the ground floor get in while this
0: you know Nick I'm not gonna call your stock low but your stock is only gonna rise so listeners out there hit yourself to this wagon this is a nut ni- this is not only a nice guy this is a freaking hilarious guy so uh yeah uh, I buttered you up far too long Nick <laughs> I don't I don't normally do this to my guests but I'm just kind of like realizing how much uh we've gotten to become better friends the last six to months to a year do you remember how we met specifically was it at like a we was it like were you on an indie team that played tnt was it at a we workshop that we did like
1: i'm kind of not i think i might know that's a great question do you know because i think we've circled each other's circles for a while yes um but i i (laughs) want to say i think i came up to you at the clubhouse the la performing center that Uh, I'm sure has been brought up on this podcast before. It has. Still alive, too. Doing very well, but not open. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I think I came up to you either before or after a mock improv show and probably formally introduced myself there, although it's very possible we've had interactions in the community before that. But that was probably... Oh, you know what? Actually, I can maybe pinpoint it. I think it was December 2018. I went to see... Uh, show. It was your white elephant Christmas. And yes. you very graciously invited me on stage when I was the only person still sitting in the audience.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, and you know, that's just sometimes it's right place, right time for like friendships to work out and for you to actually get to know somebody because thinking of looking back at that, it's like we do kind of circle a lot of people. In, you know, or did circle a lot of people in the indie improv community because it's so big. There's so many people that come in. And especially as someone who's like, you know, you've been around for a few years, you know, you see people come and go, you see people stick around for a while, you see people, someone shows up and you're like, oh, they're new to improv. And it turns out they're just getting back into it sort (laughs) of thing. So um, I totally remember that white elephant. That was really fun. I remember to tie it into video games a little bit that someone brought a copy they got for free of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, um, which I already had the game. So I was like, you know what? I do not need to be going for
1: this. Uh, I don't think I tried to steal it, but I'm sure I was tempted but realized I don't need it. (laughs) I I already owned the game as well, and yet that copy ended up in my possession until right at the end when it got stolen for the last time. And you know what? I
0: think, was it stolen by Aaron Byrne Siskin, former guest of the show i believe it was i think it may have been i think she stole it for andrew her husband yeah
1: yeah wow um well before this passes connor uh, i'm sorry i just want to say that i have appreciated getting to know you better in quarantine too uh you've been very kind to me uh, over the years now and i appreciate our friendship (laughs) and uh i like that we've been able to share so many common interests that we're still discovering I know. Isn't it fun, Nick? You know, we're we're like,
0: we're simultaneously, and, and first off, thank you. That was very kind of you to say. I appreciate it because I feel the exact same way. But it's like we're we're in this sweet spot, Nick, where we're not only in the honeymoon phase, but we're also like five years into our marriage. where We've really found our groove. And yeah. yeah, marriage is the analogy I chose to use here. <laughs> uh, well, dude, thank you so much. Normally, people don't get uh, like a history and context of my friendship with a guest, um as much as we just dove into but hey this is a special episode so i'm glad we did um before we do talk about call of duty modern warfare 2 today nick i of course like i always do want to hear about my guest's history with video games and you are the guest today so nick let's go down that road when do you remember being like conscious of video games and and what's like the first time you played them or like we're really
1: enjoying them video games were something of a forbidden fruit for me through a good (laughs) oh yeah i love it (laughs) yeah through a good portion of my childhood we're probably talking seven to eight years old i knew about them but my mom uh forbade them in the house i wasn't allowed to have any systems or anything and so it was always something i was interested in i had a childhood best friend jack he's still my friend mm-hmm. to this day 26 years later and he had shout out to you jack yeah, shout out jack thank you for being a friend uh golden girls theme song um <laughs> he uh Owned. <laughs> he played games on the computer. Uh, we would—I'd go over to his place in Shoreline, Washington, outside of Seattle, and play his s- copies of StarCraft and Sonic the Hedgehog Three. And mm. maybe before that, uh, we were hanging out a lot. We were playing with like toys. We were that age, maybe five, six years old, and his mother found her family's original Nintendo entertainment system and it was a whole big ordeal she brought it out she set it up oh. on their tv and we got to play super mario bros and duck hunt with the oh. gun attachment i can't remember what that was called yeah the zapper the zapper that was an incredibly formative moment in my gaming path where i thought wow this is amazing
0: that's so cool um it's amazing to me because you and i are like we're in we're in the same age range we're both millennials um we were by the time we were kids the nintendo was already dated like the super nintendo was the big thing like when we were really young and then of course transitioning to the playstation the genesis was big the n64 whatever um i'm always amazed at like How well Super Mario Bros. holds up, Um, especially because it's it's crazy to me that it captured both of us when like we are already past that generation of games. Maybe it's because we didn't play anything before. I don't know. I shouldn't be that surprised that like it's like it fared so well for both of us at a later date but it's either way I digress it's pretty cool
1: yeah I totally hear what you're saying and even though I was a little bit younger certainly younger than that game but even like the Nintendo 64 was a little bit out of my view like my peripheral vision um, I ended up having a cool like chronological gaming experience where if playing mario at my friend's house was the first big moment i went to somebody else's house for some random house party a few years later and they had just gotten super mario 64 and i remember seeing that seeing him go from 2d to 3d and it just blew my mind
0: (laughs) yeah I love, I had the same experience. It's truly like you're, like you're, except, you know, mine was just in a Toys R Us, seeing it on a TV that my parents never expected me to see. And then it was game over at that point or game on, I guess (laughs) technically, um, that's really cool. Um, when did like you get to maybe, I don't think you already said this. So you, you're interested in games. You're seeing games at friends' houses. Um, when did you finally have a system?
1: My first system was a Game Boy Color. I got it in, must have been 1999. Ooh. I went to Japan because my uncle married a woman there. And I went on this big flight with my mom and my sister, who was newborn. And my mom said, like I'm gonna have to contend with this baby on this flight, so you need something to do. <laughs> and she finally caved, and she got me a Game Boy. <laughs> she got me the Pikachu edition. Oh, dude! I had
0: Nick. I had the same one,
1: <laughs> the yellow and blue yes. with the little Pikachu on it.
0: Yes, it was so great, and I sold it, and I'm so mad. Oh, no. But I love that it's your mom who ends up making the choice to get you the system. That's amazing. Uh, did, so you were just, were you just like getting hooked on Pokemon at that point?
1: Yeah, I was. And it ended up being a really cool moment in time because I, without realizing it, I was playing this game and like learning about Pokemon for the first time at the height of the Pokemon craze and in Japan. And I remember visiting Japan and we went into some toy store and they had changed it into a Pokemon center. (laughs) Yeah. And they just had... All the toys you could imagine and like gigantic arcade versions of the game almost. You could, I didn't know how to do this, but if you synced your Game Boy up at the time, I think you could get special Pokemon. Wow. Yeah. That was huge. Oh,
0: that's so cool. I can't imagine truly at that, like, you know, the apex of after Pokemon's broke out. It's like two years deep at this point. The biggest thing in the world. As a kid, having, like, on the flight... It's almost... Honestly, dude, it kind of sounds like a Wizard of Oz scenario. Like, the tornado was, like, you playing the Game Boy on the way to Japan on the plane, and then you get there, and you're in this magical land of
1: Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah. 100%. I will say... That's so cool. The inverse of that is that to to continue the forbidden fruit metaphor from earlier, (sighs) I, up until a certain point, did not have a game system. It was this like mystical power that I I almost felt like I was going to get in trouble if I played one up until a certain age. And at the same party where I got to play super Mario 64 for the first time I came home after and contracted chicken pox from one of the guests (laughs) (laughs) just had to spend the next week, miserable thinking about that cute little Mario.
0: Oh, That'll teach you for playing video games. (laughs) Goodness. So you've got this Game Boy Color. Your life is maybe changed by Pokemon. What happens after this? Where do you go from here, Nick Costanza?
1: Well, I went through a bit of a dry spell. I continue to like the Game Mm -hmm. Boy games, but at a certain point I started to feel a little bit othered as I went through school. Like, yeah, I got this handheld system, but I don't really have like a real game system. Finally. Sure. I guess it was the summer of 2003. Um, I had my mindset on the Nintendo GameCube, and I spent that summer saving up money and doing chores around the house. And I, purchased one for myself the platinum GameCube with a copy of metroid prime as my first game and i bought it you (laughs) a man of culture thank you so much i bought it you're welcome the next day i had to go to science camp for a week and (laughs) i did not get to play it and it was such a bummer i just had to Oh my god go to science camp and be sitting there i don't know why i wasn't like a scientifically minded kid or anything <laughs> i just but i had to sit there and <laughs> pretend to learn stuff and just daydream about samus in the suit oh
0: my gosh uh, we we've all, i was gonna say we've all been there brother uh That's so funny, and when I laugh, it's not at, like, someone or you going to science camp. It's at the, like, because I immediately understood that feeling of, like, there's... I think this is common, because whenever we get, like, a new game or when I get a new game, that's what I want to play. For example, for the listener out there, I was... I got a new hard drive because Best Buy had a crazy deal on, like, a 5-terabyte USB 3.0 hard drive, so I bought that. I also got death stranding for $30. So I went and picked that up today. Um, and all I've been wanting to do (laughs) now, I'm realizing I'm making this into science camp. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But like, anytime you get a new game, you want to play it. And like the fact that you had to go away, not just for like an evening or an afternoon to science camp, but a week is like, wow, you really, you know, you, you were, I'm trying to think of what I'm just trying to say. You were, you know, Hardened by that, <laughs> and and then, but you came out of it. So, I love, I love that you were like had your heart set on a GameCube, and, and that's what you got. Um, did you, have you finished Metroid Prime?
1: Yeah, I finished the first one. Cool. I was a huge fan of the game Metroid Fusion, which I guess I had on Game Boy Ooh. SP at that point. And if you sync them up, you could nice. use the Metroid Fusion suit in Metroid prime there was a way to connect them amazing and that meant a lot to me to finish the game as the fusion samus that's really cool um
0: fusion is a game that i finished last year for the first time and then metroid prime i've never finished but i do have so i've it's like one of my like games that i've I've played like maybe two hours of it, but I've been saving for like the moment where I play Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that sort of feeling makes any sense, but there are certain games out there that have a certain gravity, or like I know that I'm going to love them based on like the reviews, the people who I admire, how they talk about it, and and its place in history. So that's one of those. Um, okay, so we're in high school. Eventually, we're in junior high. You've got a GameCube, you got an SP. Where do we go from here, my friend?
1: Well, this leads pretty directly into the subject matter of today's episode. I Ooh. had my handheld and I had my Nintendo console, but by the time I was getting into high school, I was starting to like think of okay, maybe Nintendo is a little bit more childish. It's more kiddie games. (laughs) Um, For what it's worth, I've done a complete 180 on that since then. (laughs) Now, give me all those kid games. I love it. I play Mario all day. But... Yeah, right? (laughs) At the time... It's okay. It happened to many of us. Yeah. And so at the time, I was like, give me this war stuff. Um, I was actually... (laughs) (laughs) maybe ironically i was introduced to call of duty and assassin's creed by a youth pastor (laughs) oh oh my that is too perfect (laughs) um i have a very strange history with going to church growing up and playing airsoft was a huge part of it which is like the air pellet (laughs) version of paintball (laughs) Uh, yes very militarized and in retrospect very strange um probably bad but (laughs) yeah i got into these games and when i played the first modern warfare at my youth pastor wolf's house uh i just wanted to understand it like i remember playing this map called crossfire which is a big sniper map and shooting across The map trying to kill people like something just clicked for me and from that moment i guess it was 2007 i thought okay saved up for the gamecube last time now i need to get an xbox 360 and i got that system shortly after hooked it up and the first game i played was call of duty 4 modern warfare
0: oh interesting okay cool and that
1: and obviously, you must have liked it enough to play the second game. Yeah, I loved it. From that that point on, I was hooked, and I bought the next game in the franchise, which was called Call of Duty World at War. That was a return to the World War II setting. Yes. I liked it, um, and it introduced Call of Duty Zombies, which became sort of a staple of the franchise, but it wasn't until Modern Warfare 2, where for the first time... As a gamer, I thought, this is my game.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't know if I'll say whatever gets you there, but hey, this got you there, Nick. So I'm happy about it. Um, obviously, we'll dive into more and more of your personal history and context with the game a little later. Um, you still play games to, to, up to today. Have you been like a consistent gamer that whole span? Did you have any big breaks and any big comebacks? Um, anything
1: else you want to share? I would say I've been a consistent gamer, but for me, and this is something I am embarrassed by. I'm not someone who plays every game. I will generally lock into one or two titles and over the course of maybe a year or so, I'll play it nonstop and then I'll probably move on to something else. I went through a phase shortly after this Call of Duty era where I was getting a bunch of stuff on Steam. I really enjoyed playing games with my friends like Team Fortress 2 and Left 4 Dead. Those were oh. big to me. Um, and then I'm trying to think as I went into college, I was still playing. That's when I started to really get into games from Rockstar like Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption. Oh, cool. Where did you go to school? I went to school at Western Washington University uh, up in Bellingham, Washington. It's sort of near the Canadian border. Improv tie-in. It's where Ryan Stiles is from. Whoa, really? Whose line is it anyway for the gamer
0: audience?
1: In the past couple years, my gaming has lessened a bit. I now go through phases where it'll be like, okay, right now with the limited amount of time I have between work, I'm only going to watch movies or I'm only going to watch a TV series. And it just so happens that right now I'm pretty much in an, I'm only going to play games phase.
0: <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I, I feel like I'll go through a similar waves with uh like music and podcasts. Like I'll go through waves where I am like only listening to podcasts, like whether I'm running, driving, whatever, or vice versa um right now i've basically just only been listening to podcasts for like a year and a half so long streak for me but i totally understand um yours nick that's cool
1: my gaming taste i don't feel like has changed all that much since i was young the two things that really got me into gaming like pokemon and animal crossing and modern warfare (laughs) are all the most popular games right now still that's true Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: Um, and you just recently, hey, let's just, I don't, I know you're a pretty humble guy, but I want to tell everyone, Nick, you completed your Pokédex in Sword and Shield the other day.
1: So, congratulations. Thank you. I certainly did. I am pretty humble. <laughs> I posted that on Twitter, got a whopping <laughs> 10 likes out of it. Um, but yeah, that was a huge achievement. 10 likes. I don't think one of those was me,
0: Nick. So. <laughs> I owe you a like we're gonna get you up to eleven, buddy. Yes. Um. The, well, um. Nick, unless you had any other personal video game history stuff you wanted to share, um. Well, or did you have anything else, or did you kind of just get to wrap it up?
1: That was a pretty good wrap-up point. I would say that I did genuinely enjoy cool. Animal Crossing, like as a franchise. I've been big on that uh, before since the first one on gamecube but also that's not relevant to this conversation at all dude you know what cut it (laughs) no but hey i love hearing that
0: because well a lot of people did get in on animal crossing most people with this new game and you know there are the cultured few like ourselves who've been playing since the gamecube version that's actually the only one that i don't have um i have the rest of them including the ds version uh but I'm I'm glad you shared that. Well, Nick, um, before we get into our big discussion on Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna revisit how you got into that game. So we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Hi there everyone, this is the host of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, Connor McCabe, and I am thrilled to announce that our show is now a part of the brand spanking new video game podcast network, Super NPC Radio, uh, and we've launched a Patreon in addition to support our shows. All the shows and content from Super NPC Radio are fully independent and we finally have a way to not only make new video content but more podcasts as well. Bonus shows and help pay for our expenses in doing so. We can offer several great tiers and for $5 a month you'll get access to our brand new weekly show Super NPCs. At the following $10 tier, you'll get even more bonus content, including a monthly group episode of this show called Call Me By Your Game Co-op, where we discuss iconic games, their respective legacies, and their place in history. If this is interesting to you and you like this show, check us out at patreon.com supernpcradio, and keep on enjoying those games, why don't you? Welcome back to the rest of the Call Me By Your Game podcast with the wonderful guest Nick Costanza talking about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So the first thing we're going to do, as I said up top, Nick, is I'm going to get into some of the history and context of the game. Feel free to interrupt to add on. Also, Nick, if you're like, no, I'll do this, I just want to let you know that's fine if you want to take the head, but I'm ready (laughs) to do so.
1: Uh, I'd like to hear your version of it, but cool. remember uh, no and- Russian.
0: <laughs> oh, yes sir. Hey, another <laughs> another reference to this game. You're already on, working on all cylinders. I love it. So um, this is oh, by the way, me and Wikipedia worked really hard on this. So Call of Duty. Modern Warfare 2 is a 2009 first-person shooter game developed by Infinity Ward and published by Activision. Uh, it is the sixth installment of the Call of, Duty, of Call of Duty franchise and the direct sequel to Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare conti- and continues that storyline. It was released worldwide on November 10, 2009 for Windows, PS3, and Xbox 360 and a separate version for the Nintendo DS titled Modern Warfare Mobilized was released on the same day. Don't I don't really, you know, see Nintendo DS as a platform for Call of Duty, Nick, but hey, it, it <laughs> got one. Did you happen to ever have that?
1: No, I briefly considered going to Blockbuster and renting a copy of World at War for the Wii, and oh, I... I think i'm glad i didn't <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> probably several reasons um uh next is uh getting into a little bit about what the game's actually about the game's campaign follows the task force 141 a special forces unit fronted by captain soap mctavish as they hunt vladimir makarov leader of the russian ultranationalist party and it also follows the united states army rangers who are defending the country from a russian invasion The main characters are Sergeant Gary Roach Sanderson of the 141 and Private James Ramirez of the Army Rangers, with Captain McTavish becoming playable later in the campaign. And of course, the multiplayer for this is also widely successful. Um, This game received critical acclaim with praise for its campaign, multiplayer, and amount of content although it did receive some criticism for its short length and lack of innovation again from a Wikipedia uh, article. So you may, it may be not the case. Um, within 24 hours of release, the game sold about 4.7 million copies in North America and the UK. And as of 2013, the game had sold 22.7 million copies. Um, so while it had crazy success, it also was subject to several controversies, one of which being a level of the campaign that was that actually had the player take out a terrorist attack on uh, a terror attack, excuse me, on an airport. Um, the sequel, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 3, was released in 2011 and completes the Modern Warfare storyline. And of course, you've I've heard you talk about this game, but the remastered version was released in 2020 on PS4, Windows, and Xbox One. So. Um, Nick, anything you want to add? Any Anything we didn't get to touch on there um, of like the general history and context
1: for the game? There's a little production history of this game that I think is pretty interesting. It was the last oh, game in the franchise designed by Vince Sampella and Jason West, who were hmm. the founders of Infinity Ward. They made this game with a contract by Activision that gave them much more creative control and big bonuses if the game was released well. But Activision put in a clause that if they were to be fired, then pretty much Activision would get all the rights. And shortly after the game's release, that happened. They fired these two guys. Oh, so they did not come back for Modern Warfare 3. They actually ended up going on to create the company Respawn, which then made Titanfall and Apex Legends, which is now one of the most popular games ever.
0: Interesting. Very cool. That's were they do you know if they were fired because specifically, you know, Activision wanted to get the rights to the game pretty quick or was it some
1: other reason? from wikipedia um it appears that activision was looking for reasons to fire them they started to look for reasons to leave and i think maybe (laughs) i don't want to speculate too much on it but um yeah activision took their shot to fire them when they heard the guys were looking for ways out they took their shot did they
0: how episode (laughs) appropriate um Uh, Was there anything else you wanted to share about
1: the history and context, Nick? So it made it be very giddy to hear you describe the plot details. Uh, (laughs) Just having, Oh yeah. (laughs) It was such a big deal to me because soap is your main protagonist. I should say he's the primary playable character in the first game, modern warfare. But he never has Mm. a face. He did not have a voice until Modern Warfare 2, where he was played by Kevin McKidd, the Scottish actor. And the reason that was important to me was because these Call of Duty games had a convention that was always sort of interesting to me, where if you were playing as a character... You never heard them speak. You only got the opportunity to hear mm. them during cutscenes, and even that was rare. And this was something that continued till I think the Modern Warfare series ended, where you really got to inhabit a character, um, because it was like the Zelda effect, uh, or Link, you're you are link link is you so i was soap in the first game and in the second game oh wow suddenly soap is an actual person and i'm this guy roach or ramirez instead um yeah, but this almost was a double-edged sword for the franchise because they then went on to be known for like, okay, now you're playing as four playable characters over the course of the campaign, and at least one dies every single time, usually ah, early on, okay. and it just became cheaper and cheaper.
0: <laughs> okay, interesting. Oh, that's very cool. Um, that was something in my you know limited research for this game, which th- that I did discover was like it was a huge deal to see and hear Roach as another character or like in general. Um, this is also a game that I always like to come clean to the listener, you know, make, make sure they don't think I'm faking something <laughs> here. This is not a game that I have a lot of history playing. In fact, I'm not even sure that I've played it. I think I, I lived with a couple people, my sophomore year of college, who had an Xbox and different games that I had this being or one of these being what being one of those games i don't actually remember which it was <laughs> i actually think it was one of the black ops games did did do you know when the first one came out for that series the
1: first black ops came out in
0: 2010 okay that makes sense that they would have been playing that because they did play the zombies version of that a lot yeah um, okay, okay. Very cool. Now I got my bearings a little bit. Um well, sweet. Uh Nick, why don't we move on to the main chunk of discussion for this episode? Um, first things first, buddy, you kind of touched on it earlier, but I would like to revisit how you got this game and how it sort of came into your life. So
1: this game I listened to almost every if not every episode of your podcast and it feels like a common theme is that the games were like seminal in people's early lives and i think that Mm -hmm. this is probably one of the later games to be featured like yeah i was in my mid teens when this game came out so i realized that's a little unusual and i will be honest i almost considered changing it to something else like an early game like a starcraft or sonic adventure Ooh! but the reason it's i crazy wanted man. <laughs> <laughs> the reason i wanted to talk about this game is because after i played the first the first two for me which were modern warfare and world at war i started to feel like okay this is actually a game i'm pretty good at and then i had just entered a new high school um It was ninth grade. I went to the Federal Way Public Academy for the first time, Mm. and I was sort of looking for opportunities to make friends. This game came out, and instantly it was a huge hit, and... It sort of just became an icebreaker for me where I could say to people like, hey, I got a copy of Modern Warfare. If you come over, we can play this multiplayer split screen. And it worked. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And I met all these fun people that year, my two best friends who I met in ninth grade Danny and Dylan they would come over on a weekly basis sometimes multiple nights a week and we would just like watch a Quentin Tarantino movie and then (laughs) turn on Modern Warfare 2 and for better and worse it ended up that's a double feature yeah a true double feature it ended up giving me like the classic teen boy (laughs) experience um of like You know, you just love this hyper-violent stuff. And weirdly Mm -hmm. for me, like my friend, the aforementioned Jack, um, was still in my life. He would become a fixture at these hangs too, but this was my opportunity to sort of like meet new guys and guys who were different than us, who weren't still going to church every week and hanging (laughs) out with their youth pastor and, um, then also, like, getting to talk about girls and life and try to impart life lessons on each other when we didn't know anything about anything. Um, and <laughs> but you're trying. We were trying. And it all was anchored by this video game we'd play every week. That's
0: so cool. Oh, my gosh. There's, like – I feel like there's a lot to ask about with that because it it's an experience – it's, like, there's a lot of ways – in situations that are fun to play video games in. For example, yesterday, I realized that after like a, a like I, I caught up with three of my best friends from high school over a Zoom and just talked to them. But after that, I had nothing going on, which is so, I know it's it's quarantine, like we should have nothing going on. I've just made my schedule very busy with a lot of the stuff for, I mean, this show, Super NPC Radio. But long story short, I had the whole day free, So I sat down and just played like six hours of Final Fantasy X. That is one of the ideal scenarios for me to play a game is to have nothing going on and be able to sit down and truly, if I wanted to play all day, do it. Another like prime top of the line video game situation, maybe number two or tied for first with that is like hanging out with your friends for a long time and playing a game in person and like but also getting to the point where you're comfortable, you know, and you're not just, you know, small talking anymore. Um, and you're, you're in your groove. Uh, and if you can do that consistently, I'm sure it only like cultivates your relationships and friendships and stuff. So that was a long winded way for me to be like, I relate to that, Nick. That's great. (laughs) Um, that's so cool. So, um, and did you go, I know you said you went to a new high school. Did you not Go to like junior high or middle school with a lot of the kids that you went to school with?
1: It was a pretty much entirely new group of students. It was a strange experience. The school I got into for ninth grade just coincidentally lined up with me going into high school because this school was six through 10 grade wise. Oh, wow. And it was a lottery based system to get in. And most of my friends from outside school got into it at 6th grade and i couldn't mm. and so i would try every year but i was going to this public middle school and i didn't i hadn't known anybody when i started there and i did not have a good middle school experience at all um oh sorry no it's it's fine uh i'm easily bullyable what can i say <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey that's your words not mine i've
1: tried to bully you over the years nick you make it pretty hard uh so it ended up being sort of a breath of fresh air that i got to go to this new environment where i wasn't going to have to know anybody i knew before um yes. as opposed to just going to the public high school that was down the street from where i lived so that's by experience with that gotcha
0: that's cool um i want to get into a little bit of like the fine details of these hangouts with these with like uh with you said dylan danny and jack yes cool and maybe some other people coming in and out who knows uh but when you i'm so interested in these hangs because they immediately i'm not even a call of duty person but i would have loved to have been there
1: for a bunch of reasons would you normally j- play at your house specifically? Yeah, my house became the hang spot for the group. That's great. That's kind of it's there's like I've always felt like there's pros and
0: cons to your place being the hang spot. The pros are that you don't have to leave, that people come to you and that also means they might bring something, maybe a snack, who knows. Uh-huh. But the cons are that like if but the, I would say the pros to going somewhere else are that you're free to leave whenever you want. Yes. Um, you like, no one's going to ruin anything at your place. Not that they were doing this, but you have like less responsibility at someone else's house. Um, so I think that's cool that like, you know, yours happened to be the place you said they would come over a few nights a week. Was this like after homework was done after maybe like a uh, after school activity after sports or was it like, well, how did, when did that happen?
1: What hour are we talking here, buddy? <laughs> Like I'm not proud of this, but my group of friends weren't necessarily the people doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> I love, but it. yeah, it would be later in the day, like 6 p.m. Usually after dinner time, I'd say. Um, even though it got a little bit yeah, late, but that makes sense. also mostly relegated to the weekends and stuff. Um, okay, yeah. So I'm trying to put the timeline together a little bit in my head i had these group of friends and we were all good boys uh at least at the time like Mm -hmm. we never did any underage drinking or like smoking weed was not on my radar at all um yeah because you were doing hard heroin at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was obviously doing heroin, but drinking and smoking? No, thank you. Uh, no, I didn't do anything at all. I, w- I was like still going to church regularly. That was a mm-hmm. big part of my um, adolescent experience. Uh, so they'd bring over like a pack of diet dr pepper and some cheetos. We'd order pizza oh. a lot too. That was another thing. Um Oh.
0: <laughs> I thought I'm glad you started to, to dip into the snacks a, <laughs> l- a little bit cuz I was going
1: to ask you about the snack situation. So I'm a big cheetos fan. Um, okay, I think some people are mixed on it. We might got um, I might get tortilla chips for uh, my other friends, um, I discovered a salsa brand growing up that I became very fond of. That I'll give them a little Ooh. plug, Mrs. Renfro's. Ooh, Mrs. Renfro's. Yeah, the lovely lady. Um, I don't know her. <laughs> she might not be real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's probably not real. <laughs> Mrs. Renfro's mango habanero salsa paired with Juanita's oh. gluten-free chips. Ooh. Amazing. That hits. Do you have a gluten allergy in that group? I didn't. I started eating those chips some um, years hey, later, realized they were gluten free.
0: <laughs> hey, and that's that's how you transition away from gluten. That's so cool. Um, um, what was I gonna ask you? Oh, is like diet uh Dr. Pepper your drink of choice too, or was it sort of like a communal thing?
1: Um I do love it, but for me it was like a special occasion soda. Gotcha. Dr. Pepper in general just gotcha. carried sort of like a higher esteem than a Coke product to me. I cannot explain that at all. Um, I I think I can. Uh, Dr. Pepper
0: is a doctor with a medical degree, and Coca Cola has no degree. That, that's it.
1: You cracked the code. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I also think maybe from a just a childish perspective, you go into a restaurant and you see like Coke or Pepsi, if there's a fountain and it's got diet, uh, a Dr. Pepper product on it. Sometimes it can feel a little special, especially because if you go to even like a McDonald's, I don't think they have Dr. Pepper. They still have Pib extra. That's a, that's a good question. I I'm full disclosure. I'm more
0: of a diet Coke, preferably Coke zero type of guy. So I can't, I'm not often, you know, I don't have my eyes looking out for Dr. Pepper products. So you would probably know better than I, um, but that's really cool. So I like, would you, I know I'm asking more specific questions here, but eventually I'll ask you more broad stuff. Would they stay over? Like, uh, would you have sleepovers and stay over all night? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Oh yeah. Um, so you would like start with a movie and then play the game. Was it maybe not that specific?
1: Yeah, that's generally how it would go. And the game became such an obsession in the friend group not even from me that I would feel like, okay, if I don't start the movie when they get here, we're just going to play the game for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. And then in that's amazing. In th-
0: like you miss your chance. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, this is my so opportunity
1: funny. to share Tarantino with them. We can watch Kill Bill volume one to our heart's content. <laughs> uh <laughs> You're sneaking in a mood, like
0: a education, <laughs>
1: yeah trying to um in my living room which my family called the playroom there was a big wide ankle couch that had a pull out bed so when we do these sleepovers we basically just coexist in this space together for 12 to 18 hours and
0: that was fun that's amazing yeah That's so much fun. Was your like, was your mom or your sister coming in and out with like, did they, did you see them? Were they like, we're going to stay away from these crazy boys? (laughs) They would generally
1: stay away. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, you know, it was not that common in an experience pre, pre ninth grade for me to even be having friends over on a regular basis. Okay. I wanted to say I actually was the kind of person who would go to other people's house more um, up until this point. And the way you talked okay. about it, the pros of visiting someone else, I identify with that 100%. Um, I think I just felt like I had some kind of power <laughs> that it was a special thing that people wanted to come to me. And I kind of just reveled in that. Whereas now, or pre-COVID, <laughs> I love it. I just go to everybody's house and live my life with one foot out of the door, <laughs> ready to make a break for it yeah, at any moment. That's funny.
0: Ah, that's great. It's you know I haven't been able to have very many friends over to where I live now because I moved to my new place in January and then literally for less than two months before COVID really hit, but you've been over before. So I'm so glad you've actually been in, I'm thinking about it. You've been in this room. You've been in the dream room before. It's Uh, lovely. uh, Oh, thank you very much. And we've moved it around. So it's even better than it used to be. Um, That is so cool. Um, I want to ask you just a few more questions about like hanging with these guys. Um, So were you there? Well, actually kind of about the game and hanging with them. Were you all hyped for this game? That when the when Modern Warfare Two came out, were you like their day one? Were you one of the four point seven million copies to be
1: to be purchased? How did that go? The weird thing is, no, I wasn't that excited about it before it came out. I I maybe was starting to feel the obligation that got burned into me by this franchise of oh, a new Call of Duty is coming out. I guess I'll pick it up. Um, Sure, but. It wasn't until I started immersing myself in the Call of Duty YouTube scene that my interest was really piqued. Um, oh. This is the thing that I have the most useless knowledge about besides UCBLA <laughs> Herald Team Improv performers. <laughs> um, I can I, I can name all of the top Call of Duty YouTubers between 2010 and 2011. <laughs>
0: wow well, th- what did you what did you like about these youtube channels like were they just people
1: streaming well, or no, probably not was it people like doing let's
0: plays what, what was going it on it was
1: there? pre-streaming although um some people migrated to this platform called justin.tv which was a, eventually absorbed by twitch at one point oh, my justin account became my twitch account Oh. is how far back that goes. But at the time, people were just discovering that from a home console, you could get a capture card and hook it up to your system and actually record the gameplay. So it became very commonplace for people. Um, it actually sort of predated Modern Warfare 2. As far back as Modern Warfare 1, people would be getting um, some kinds of... Uh, capture cards the name is escaping me and i hate it um but they would record a 10 minute session of their game which was roughly the length of a match in one of these games and then they would post it online at first that was it it was just you post the video you watch somebody play the game um Most people are only posting like their best ones where they go like 40 and six, uh, 40 kills, six deaths (laughs) for the listener. Nice, Um, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And then it sort of evolved into people posting commentaries where they would post the gameplay and then they would describe, okay, so... If you watch the gameplay here at around the five minute mark, I have the sniper in the bush. And if you head glitch from this section, you can actually snipe someone on the B flag, but they can't see you. And it became a way of Well, (laughs) yeah, became a way of giving these gamer tips. And then it further evolved when the online company Machinima they started contracting these people to make videos for them. And then the focus became somewhat less on the gameplay and more on the personality of these performers. Really, you can link this to the rise of Twitch, where it's like, oh, yeah, I realized wow. at a certain point I'm not just watching these videos because I want to see how well Woody's Gamer Tag plays. I'm watching it because he was from <laughs> Ocean City, New Jersey, where my dad is from, and he has sort of this fatherly energy, and he gives this advice, and it was about the personality. Oh, And I just – I love this stuff. That's so
0: cool. That's so much fun. It, it's really fun when, like – at least for me as someone who loves consuming the same type of like videos about the games that I love, like it is so exciting when I find like a new YouTube channel or a podcast or like a personality that I really like who's talking about the same things. I'm just like, yeah, just give me more of it. I want to like not only like learn, but I want to like f- support this person if they're cool. Like there's like, it's uh Patreon and like, Twitch and YouTube used to be such a foreign thing to me, but now that's so far from the case. I like love supporting people when I can. So, um, I totally relate to, to that, Nick. That's so cool. Um, I have a question about when you would all play this game together and this is sort of, maybe will help us transition into talking about the game itself and specifically what you loved about it. Um, Fair to assume you
1: guys would get together and just play the multiplayer together, and were you playing online? Pretty much. So, okay. at the time that that game came out, you could not play online split screen, which is how we would have been doing it. Like, the two, oh. two players at a time in a lobby playing with a group of other people online. Yeah. Instead, it would be, I'd have to borrow a couple of Xbox controllers, we'd all sync up on one system and play four-way split screen just with the people at the party. Oh, okay. Fun. Which was fun. Now, for me, um, the multiplayer always trumped the campaigns and the stories of these games. Talking about the anticipation of not getting to play my Metroid Prime before sort of reminded me that that was... <sighs> negative anticipation it was like oh I can't believe I don't mm-hmm. get to play this game when these Call of Duty games <laughs> <laughs> these Call of Duty games would come out I turned it into positive anticipation where it became this thing of I'm going to sit down on the first day and I am going to immerse myself in the campaign. I'm going to play the entire story. I'm going to give it 100% attention. And as soon as it's done, I go to multiplayer and I never return to it. Yep.
0: The, for you, the campaign was the vegetables and the, the multiplayer. I mean, depending on what kind of, you know, food you like multiplayer was the, was the main course.
1: Correct. Yeah. That's a very apt analogy. Um, now, I liked my vegetables. I liked the characters. <laughs> they had these unique voices. Captain Price. <laughs> um, and uh, Modern Warfare 2 in particular had a great performance by uh, Lance Henriksen when they do these stunt casty things. He was Bishop in the movie Aliens. He has a very deep, gravelly mm. voice. The more things change, okay. the more they stay the same. That was one of his lines. Uh, (laughs) I lost 30,000 men in the blink of an eye.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bravo, Nick. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) First bravo ever on the show. (laughs)
1: Uh, So I did enjoy that. But yeah, it was really more about the multiplayer. And then once I started getting into this YouTube world, it was like, okay, I want to figure out how to be the best player I can be online. So when my friends were there, obviously we were playing together, but when they weren't around, I was playing these online multiplayer games all day. You were in the gym doing work. Oh, yeah. And I got very good at the game. I will also say this, Call of Duty, specifically Modern Warfare 2, is one of the few things in my life that I felt naturally great at. (laughs) I it That's awesome. clicked with me where I could go into most matches against random people and finish the game at the top of the leaderboard. Um that feeling, I will say, has not been recreated since the game Titanfall in 2015. Oh, okay. I think it's interesting that it was by the same developers. Maybe if I play Apex Legends, I'll jump to the top of the chart too. That's your next one. Just kidding. Every 14 year old can destroy me at any modern video game. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. It's just not fair. Uh, Well, that's
0: so interesting and cool to me. Um, What do you, it's almost like you just had the, like you found out it's like Superman finding out that he's, Not from Earth, but it's you in Call of Duty (laughs) Modern Warfare 2. What what did you like about the game and what clicked for you early, if you remember that specifically?
1: Yeah, I remember. So just for the listener, this video game is like – Like Connor said in the intro, it's special forces soldiers, so it's very militaristic. Um, The viewpoint you have as your character is basically just two arms holding a gun, and you run around and you shoot each other, and it's very violent and brutal. But for me, what clicked about this game is that it had this fluid motion style where you could just run around the map and kill people and keep running, and... If you killed enough people mm. in a row, you got what they called a kill streak where you could drop a missile from the sky on someone. If that missile killed two people, you could get a plane that would come in and drop more missiles. And if you, <laughs> if those killed enough people, you could fly a plane and be shooting the missiles yourself. And so just racking up these kills. There was a feature of the yeah, game. And- that's cool are you familiar with the nuke
0: i am just because of my research in this game but go ahead
1: (laughs) that was a big innovator that this game had the previous ones didn't where if you earned 25 kills in one life you got a nuclear weapon that you could call in and it would end the game for everyone Even like a multiplayer match? Yeah, even if it was an objective-based mode where you have to hold on to flags for a certain amount of time. If you call the nuke, the game ends, every single person dies, and you win. Um, And in this YouTube scene, it became a thing where people were like, I'm going to figure out how to get the nuke the fastest possible. And so that blew up. But for most casual players, it was not something easily achievable and it took me uh almost a year to get it um Whoa. but i wanted to share the story of the first time i did where please <laughs> i was playing with two guys i didn't normally play with brandon and ben we were playing online with headsets at, at your place or online online okay. yeah gotcha. um and i was just by myself in my room playing and I I could explain the minutiae of what I did, like the weapon loadout I had and stuff like that. But that is not interesting to anybody. Um, long story short. But,
0: but I also, Nick, want you to, to be – if you want to share that stuff, this is the time to do it. So feel free, but you don't have to.
1: Okay. I had the ACR – uh, assault rifle yes. <laughs> um i didn't have a site on it i did have a grenade launcher attached which was sort of a faux pas in this community oh. um and then i put the map was terminal which was the airport um the site of said massacre that made this game controversial yes. um <laughs> i put this perk on called danger close which made my explosions more harmful to enemy players and so the couple of lucky missile strikes i got just took people apart and i remember i got it i got a little ping on my screen that said nuke or nuclear device activated or whatever and when you get this thing it gets put into your inventory so for a couple moments i was like oh my gosh i have this power i just have to hit a button and i can activate it and end the game for everybody and so i was i told my friends like hey guys watch this And i called it in and (laughs) the game ended they went nuts on my headset and right after the game was some kind of high school party where we all went to school together so i went over there just beaming and i ran up to the two guys together and i was like guys did you see that i got the nuke
0: that's so cool you got to i love that you like got to celebrate that with people in person it's fun um, on like I'm sure fun online to celebrate stuff because you can hear them their reactions and stuff. But like as as much as like I've loved interacting with all of us online so much, if I could just be with you guys and hug you or like put an arm around somebody's shoulder, that would be nice too. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's so cool, dude. Um, well, it's funny, like you I love hearing the specificities of you know of like your loadout where you were playing. Cause it's kind of like when you remember big moments in your real life. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was like wearing these shoes and I have a weird, strange memory, like very specific. So I'd be like, Oh, and I ate a Turkey sandwich that day. So <laughs> like just stupid stuff like that. But to me, it's stupid. But like when I hear other people's details, I love it. And it's, it really helps paint the picture. Uh, that's so cool, dude. Um, uh, Were you, Uh, did you have, uh, we've gotten to talk about a lot, Nick, but I, and I don't want to, cut you off but was there anything else you didn't get to share that you love to do in this game like a whole section you that you skipped um talking about today or
1: like a thought you wanted to wrap up um i have one thought i wanted to wrap up which is that please i got very interested in the idea of capturing and recording my gameplay i didn't do it that much i think that at the time i was not a performer at all. Um, I had no improv or comedy background. I was even very self-conscious of my own voice. I think hmm. I felt like, oh, if I put this gameplay up and record a commentary, what am I going to say? And then people are just going to think I'm a little kid, a squeaker, as they call yeah, them. Yeah,
0: people still think I'm a squeaker, Nick, so I can relate <laughs> to that.
1: Um So there was a certain element of be. Being present in the moment of these games, of like I am, I'm doing so well. It's is the worst comparison, but it's like people talk about Michael Jordan's flow, just like I'm. He's in it. He's a good comparison. (laughs) He's playing so well, and then, (laughs) yeah. Even without the trolling element, but by doing well, you're trying to get a rise out of other people. But then I just think about it, like wow. At the end of the day, all this nuke stuff. It was so important to me, and I'm truly just catering to a crowd of 12 people in this game with me. Uh, And I feel like that has an interesting parallel with how I went on to do improv comedy for no audience. (laughs) Which we would uh, sometimes have no audience. (laughs) Or just a couple Uh. people of other improvisers who might be like, okay, that was a good move you made there. (laughs) You got the nuke in that tag out. Right. Or like one of the three people there is
0: someone who walked in because they're early for the show upstairs and they're just like watching, putting their arms on the back of some seat and like not really, and checking their phone too. <laughs> you never know. Um, uh, uh, well, great. Was there anything else you wanted to share, Nick, that like that you didn't get a chance to before we move on to some fun end of show segments?
1: Um, I think that about, Covers it. I don't want to uh, bore your audience any further.
0: (laughs) Hey, you're not boring the audience right now, Nick. We can worry about the audience later. The audience right now is me. Um, But, of course, if you do want to share more, like, truly, please do. But I was just going to say thank you so much for sharing this specific story and talking about this game. I'm glad you chose one, you know, that's not, like, the earliest game because it's fun to hear different sorts of stories like i i connect to certain games that i've played like a few years ago because of a specific weekend or like a certain like week that i was gone so thank you for sharing this um it was so cool to hear that like this game ended up and playing games with people ended up being like how you like you know made seemingly made your friendships in a time when you didn't have as many friends at school. I think that's so great. I love that you found something that you were so good at, and I've seen you be so good at other things, so it's like no, no surprise to me, but like, I'm glad that you did that and that you enjoyed this game so much. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for giving me this platform. Hey, anytime. I'm so happy to do it. Um, Well, okay, Nick, let's go ahead and move on to a couple end-of-the-show segments. You are familiar with them, I'm sure. The first of which is the Fact Me by Your Game segment. And I'm interested to see if you know all of these. Um, So this is the segment where I famously share Easter eggs, development history, secrets, and stuff about the game we're talking about with our guest. So... The first one is an Easter egg. Nick, now I know you to be a trendy Hollywood guy. You go to all the cool places, at least when we used to. Did you know that there is a trendy L.A. Easter egg uh, for the L.A. residents out there in this game? I'm not sure I do know. So there is a level, which I'm actually going to share a little a uh, little something with you. There is a level um, in this game where I don't know if it's a, I think it's part of the campaign. I actually searched to find where the level is. Couldn't find it, but I will share with you a screenshot from the game. That is of a rooftop. Uh, I think it's, it's supposed to be in when you're in the United States and it is modeled directly after the standard hotel, which was, have you ever been there in downtown LA? Yeah, I believe so. I'm pulling up the image right now. yeah, so that's the image of the actual hotel, and on this Games Radar link I'm sharing you, and that's where I got this from. It is a few scrolls down, uh, like three scrolls down near the bottom of the page. Um, oh. You'll see a shot of. Do you see that? Let's see.
1: Standard hotel rooftop bar. Okay yes i see this um i'm also (laughs) seeing the blow-up doll image on there oh yeah
0: that too uh another easter egg in that game did you know about the blow-up doll
1: um i i don't remember it um but it's pretty funny uh (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty funny the rooftop bar i remember this now i believe I'm looking at the screenshot. I recognize that as a multiplayer map, uh the map high rise that takes place up on the top of a skyscraper. And if you look off the side, I guess you can see that rooftop bar. Um I had no knowledge of LA prior to that uh when I was playing the game, so that's kind of a fun Easter egg to see.
0: Yeah. Um, this is a place that's like, you know, it's a trendy L.A. rooftop bar of, above a, the standard hotel in downtown L.A. I, in my early years in Los Angeles, I went there a couple times. Um, but uh, just a fun little L.A. Easter egg I wanted to share with you, Nick. Thank you. Um, this, yeah, of course. The second is that uh, this is another Easter egg in the game. Um, th- there is actually an early design of Call of Duty... Uh, for the first Modern Warfare game that you can find in this game. So um, on the multiplayer map terminal that you were talking about earlier and in the mission, no Russian, which you quoted earlier, um, (laughs) there's a wine store. You can go inside and find what appears to be an alternate cover for Call of Duty 4. Um, And the way that they were able to determine that that's what this was specifically was that the back of the cover of the case is the exact, is the identical to the actual Call of Duty 4 case.
1: Wow. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Um, so that was from True Gaming Vault. Um, you can find that Easter egg uh, on um, online. And then uh, the last one, Nick, was that um, Infinity... Wait, no, it's... Wait, I said, I almost said Infinity War. <laughs> That's an Avengers movie. Infinity Ward uh, employed or excuse me, employed uh, the next installment of their proprietary engine that they used to build this game in this one. And one of the highlights from it, this is more of a development thing, was that um, there was a complete overhaul of enemy AI. Previously, enemies would just respawn from waypoints until the player made their way to and from specific checkpoints, like they would just keep coming. Yes. But in this game, there's you know only the certain amount of AI that they have, And the enemy actually seek out the player and sort of drive you through the level.
1: Yeah, I love that. I remember, like, not even necessarily knowing that that's what was happening, but feeling like it was different. Like, oh, yeah, I can kill all the people here. that was fun. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Ah, And I do love that when, like, a game changes a small mechanic like that that makes, like, going through a level feel just a lot more better and almost conducive to the play. Um, but that, Nick, brings us to the end of the "Fact Me by Your Game segment. I'll go ahead and quickly move on to the final one, the game recommendation segment. And as a listener to the show, Nick, you know that this is my forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name <laughs> because I was thinking when I finished that movie, of course, Elio's character, or Timothy Chalamet and Armie Hammer's characters, would eventually, like all people, move on to be in a relationship with someone new probably someday. And I, I was thinking, you know, I've had friends or I've moved on from relationships. Sometimes the person I date has, or like someone else has dated has been eerily similar to the person previously. <laughs> Other times they're way out of left field. Other times they're something refreshing and new. So that's what these are based on Nick. Um, but for you in call of duty, modern warfare too, <laughs> <laughs> um, The first recommendation I have for you is this is another government-focused game, big title with a twist, and that is Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Anarchy. Have you played this game? I have not. Um, This is actually a previous, you know, we did an episode on this with my uh, guest, Jackie Neil. uh... That's right. And, you know, it's got some bunch of military aspects to it. So I was like, hey, we'll throw this up there for you. Um, the next recommendation is this is another undisputed champion of a genre. I feel like Call of Duty, as much as I may prefer Halo, just because that's what I came up playing uh, to Call of Duty, it's kind of the undisputed champion of first-person shooters. Um, so the, the undisputed champion of a genre I will recommend is of the basketball genre, and that is NBA 2K20, even though I've never played it.
1: Wow. That is very different. What makes you recommend that? It's
0: just It has nothing to do with, you know, it's a completely different type of game. I just wanted to find if, like, you know, what you were drawn to about this game was that it was like the champion of a genre. Then that's what you might like about 2K as well, even though it's wildly different. And you may not even like basketball for all I know. Um... The last wreck for you, Nick, is this is another huge game in a major franchise. This is actually from the Mario franchise, but like this, like Modern mm. Warfare 2, it's not without its controversy. And that is Super Mario Sunshine for the Nintendo GameCube. Did, did you ever happen to play this when you had your cube?
1: I played the first mission where Mario lands at the Sunshine Airport and massacres all the Delfinos. <laughs> yes yes he's uh, like no so mushroom I played this game
0: growing up and i played it f- no <laughs> oh no mushroom indeed uh no rush- mushroom for mario because he goes to jail in that game um yeah this game is i would say like maybe my favorite feeling mario game the handles are great but the rest of the game is a mess um so but that's my recommendation for you nick and that brings us you know, it's the end of the segment into the end of the show. So, um, before we go and do our plugs, uh, Nick final, th- I promise I'll never thank you again for anything. Thank you so much for doing this. This was wonderful to have you on. I loved what you shared and it was, uh, good to finally get you on the show, um, to talk one-on-one. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, Part of me feels like I didn't talk about the specifics of the game enough here. Um, I could mention, of course, that in the remastered version, they added some animations. And for anybody who has a PlayStation Network account, you can actually play the campaign right now for free by downloading that game. That's right. Um, which I think is really cool. It doesn't have the multiplayer. It doesn't have what initially hooked me, but it's a fun little time capsule and there's good moments and good characters in it. And I'd say, check it out. Awesome. I love it. Uh, well, well, thanks again,
0: Nick. Um, and sorry if we didn't get to get to more of the fine details of the game. Maybe we'll be able to talk about that at another time too. But before you go, um, where can we find you? Where do you want us to like get the Nick Costanza content that
1: we all deserve? So as general Shepard once said, the more things change the more they stay the same and (laughs) (laughs) while I'm not uploading gameplay footage of Modern Warfare 2 to YouTube I am streaming Modern Warfare the 2019 version on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Nick Costanza you can find me there you can also find me on Twitter at Nick underscore Costanza I am the bald one
0: well so everyone who's listening check out Nick's stuff he's Really funny great follow check out his stream um, this show is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt yeah you should listen to his game his show the nick is often featured on video games a comedy show another great round table style video game podcast with a comedy twist You can follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. I also stream on Twitch at Connor, or excuse me, at twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. I've been streaming games that we didn't get to do video elements for. Um, So uh, this will eventually be one of them. Um, Might even try to collaborate with you, Nick, and see what we can do for that. But then also check out our Patreon, as I said before the show, patreon.com slash super NPC radio. If you like this show, uh, and you want more content like it, I, then I'm got that ready for you people. So check us out. We have several tiers, um, to, uh, for you to subscribe at if you're interested, but that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.